0: I am Consciously Curious, a podcast for those that are searching for a career or cultivating meaning within their own space. We've had anesthesia providers to barbers, dog behaviors to airline pilots, white collar to blue collar, entrepreneurs to passion projects. Life's too short to not produce meaningful work. Join me, Victor Chan, as we deep dive within various industries. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a comment. I hope you find some value within these conversations, but more importantly, I hope it sparks a meaning within your own space. In this episode, Jen Diaz returns for round two. She shares how the pandemic has affected her life personally and professionally. She doubled down on her intuition and it has led her to pursue the van life. Through it all, she continues to remain open, question everything and shine her light. Please enjoy my conversation with Jen Diaz. Ziggy's Live. <laughs> Ziggy's chilling.
1: <laughs> he's here. If you have any questions for him, he's ready.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Welcome back. Thanks for having Round me. Round
1: two. Round dose.
0: Almost three years. December 2020 or December 2019. Was it? Was it.
1: Three is my magic number. Do you know that? <laughs> it is, of course.
0: <laughs> um, how are things? I know things won't be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been on the move. I I'm glad we caught move. you while you're in town yep. and you're going to be jetting off, you know, back on the road in a few days. Yeah. Um, how is everything? We can, we can talk about the salon. We can talk about babes behind brands. We can talk about Ziggy, whatever, whatever, whatever strikes. <laughs> yeah. Fancy. Yeah. Like, like has your, has your perspective on life changed as many of us, if not all of us do to the pandemic?
1: Absolutely. I, I feel like everything shifted for me back to basics. Okay. Back to like my core values, really digging into and refining like who are you now? Mm. Who do you want to be moving forward? What's staying and what's going? Yeah. And so I dropped a lot of old beliefs, a lot of old habits, a lot of transitions of people moving in and out of my life and it's been I want to say a big Period of release.
0: Okay. Was like, it forced or you kind of just did that on your own?
1: It happened so naturally. Okay. It happened so naturally. Things would shift and and then that decision would make sense and things would shift and then that person would, would come in and that person would leave and it was all organic. Okay. And it all happened, I believe, divinely inspired um, very naturally to okay. where I was like, okay, this is what we're doing now.
0: The The last time I saw you in person... Uh, we grabbed coffee and lunch and you were asking how you could outfit the bus with some GoPros. Yes. (laughs) Did that ever happen?
1: Okay, Victor, I hate GoPros. I have to tell you, I don't know what it is for me. Maybe it's because they're so little. Okay. I can't, I can't mess with the GoPros. It's like not for me. So then I decided, this is so funny that you asked me because someone told me. to ask another friend of mine who started a podcast he's like you need to ask a podcast i'm like i did <laughs> and he gave me all the inspiration but what i've kind of learned about myself in simplifying and going with that same pattern that we were just talking about i don't know if it's like the most cool or whatever but i'd really like to just do it all from my phone running gun i'm not a techie becky okay i'm just not
0: the, there is some transitional stuff from like, you I mean, honestly, you press a button, it records, but then uh-huh. you have to like upload that material onto your computer, uh-huh. cut it up if you want. So if you're more of like, I mean, that's what stories are great for, like this behind the scenes, just rec- press just you know, go on your with phone. It. And phones are, you know, they do so much these days. Mm-hmm. So whatever fits in with where you're at in life, like whatever. I mean, at least you're still sharing.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I'm actually, when I leave next week, I was telling you I'm taking my long time employee on like a work wife Mm -hmm. anniversary trip. And we're gonna test everything out in the van with now that everything works, with the lighting that I have and the sound and I'll bring mics and kind of see what would make sense. So I'll let you know.
0: (laughs) If, so you see like the fans and stuff. So the cameras overheat and I've had cameras just shut off on me because of it's just, I'm too hot. I got to turn off. No way. So that's why the fans are here. And if that wasn't the case, I would have asked if we could do it in the bus. <laughs> oh my God. I would have
1: loved that. Next time.
0: Rain Wilson from The Office, uh, used to have a show called Metaphysical Milkshake and it'd be in a, Volkswagen style bus.
1: (laughs) That's my. That's like my dream is to be able to. I've been calling myself an evangelist. I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher's daughter. I told him that, and he was like, not very pleased, (laughs) because my dad's like in a small town in Alabama. He doesn't quite get it. Like he thinks yoga is a cult a little bit, and I'm like, Dad, I promise it's not. Yeah, he's just not exposed. He's just not exposed to that. Um, but I was like, dad, I think it's so cute because I'm like sharing my love for wellness and personal mm. development and health. I'm kind of like an evangelist, get it? And he's like, baby, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sharing the word of the Lord? I'm like, well, in my own way, yes, I am in my own way. Right, right. It's just kind of funny. That's, that's, that's how I see it. You know, he, he taught me, he taught me when I was young that he felt a certain calling to make that transition to go and be a pastor okay, and learn and go to school, seminary school and all that. I was like not even a year old oh, wow. when he left to go do that. And he was in his 30s. So it was not the typical college student, not the typical situation. And there were so many times where I didn't understand that. I'm like, how could you do that?
0: Oh, sure. Right? Like sure. you're a
1: kid and you don't understand. Now as an adult and feeling like during the pandemic – the decision I made about the van and to remove myself from my business the way that I did and shift felt super wild to a lot of people because it didn't follow the natural progression of what others were doing. <clears throat> for me, I was like, I don't know, man. I woke up one day and I heard that I was supposed to do this. And I even was like, we're living in a van? I'm talking to myself. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I knew that there was something bigger, a bigger purpose for what I was doing. Okay. And I knew it was bigger than just the salon. The salon had laid the foundation for how much I loved interacting with people on an intimate level because we see them in the service that we do and they're naked. So you have to be able to find a level of comfort very fast. And it was always my skill set. And when the pandemic happened, I'm like, there's more work for you to do. How can you do it differently? I didn't want to feel chained to any city. Mm. I don't know where I want to plant roots next. I do believe it's in the mountains somewhere, mm. TBD. But I wanted to be able to allow myself to explore that what that looked like. Yeah, And the van just was the right fit. But there were so many times I was asking myself, like, oh, my God, are you for real? Was
0: the seed for van life planted a while ago, like pre-pandemic? Or... Nope. No. Okay. It was
1: all pandemic. All it was me, edibles, and lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being fully transparent, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I had a lot of time to sit and think, and I'd always wanted to travel, and I never had the means to do it. Um, I kind of always thought, like, that's, it, I almost felt like it wasn't ever going to happen for me. Hmm. And then when the pandemic happened, I'm like, who cares? Do whatever you want. This is like a free-for-all out here. It's
0: true. And that's how
1: I felt. It's so funny. My grandparents used to travel in a camper van in an old VW, which was my original dream. Oh, yeah. But you can't really get those. And then I learned a lot about fixing those if I had problems on the road. So I had to make some decisions. But I'm like, those are just so darling. You're
0: surrounded by a lot of handy people.
1: I really am. Do you know how they paid for that? My little tiny grandma Dora. Yeah, how? Four foot 11. She's a walker. She's where I got my urban hike glove from. Okay. We would walk and walk and walk. She'd always walk her little legs off. She used to walk back in the day and collect cans. And if you turned them in for five and 10 cents, you got money. I don't even know if they still do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She would collect them every day on her walks. And that's how they paid for their vacations. And they just went to national parks and, you know, beautiful places that don't cost a million dollars. Um, and I always just thought that that was so amazing. And now I'm like kind of recreating that in my own way. It's so funny how life works. Did that you,
0: way. did you think right now, cause the last two years feels like it's a blur. I know. Right. Where, um, you, did you think if any big picture of like where you'd be with the van, with the business, any idea? The, Did, was there a point where you thought you'd lose the, like Where the business yeah. would be gone right
1: Oh the van decision it,
0: what, it was like riots it was pandemic <gasps> oh, so And much. you didn't know if you know People were going to loot all that stuff
1: All of it and I have to say The decision for the van Was spurned I really didn't believe We were going to reopen it was if you remember Back on that time it was every Three or four days you know our mayor Was going to come on and tell us what our fate was And I'm like thanks like <laughs> great <laughs> And and you were on this roller coaster, and then that would happen, and you really wouldn't get any answers. Yeah. And I'm the type of person, from my life experience, this isn't my opinion, it is my life experience that I could give foundational data on, people in power in those kind of roles, for me, haven't ever been serving my best interest. Mm-hmm. I know that from experience. I remember when the police used to come to my house all the time when... You know, my parents were fighting and all of those issues, and they, could, they couldn't help me because of whatever red tape. It's not like it was personal, but whatever red tape and however the laws were, they mm-hmm. couldn't help me. And then there's a series of different experiences that I had where I was like, I'm sorry, and I'm Cuban. We don't believe in a lot of government. That's just how we're <laughs> raised, man. And it's not from opinion. It's from experience of those people. So I was just like, I don't trust you, and I don't trust you, and I don't believe you're working on my behalf. I don't believe when you tell people we'll fix the windows, but we have to fix this. You're not coming to fix my windows. And no insurance company is looking to pay me out for that in any kind of, you know, quick fashion. And there's only so many window companies that can service us. So it was just a roller coaster of me feeling like that's bullshit. And I have to figure out what I need to do for myself. And if that comes back around and works out amazing. And, and so I made decisions based on those feelings, intuition, mm-hmm. and they haven't been wrong for me. Um, even when we did reopen after ninety days, the restrictions that we had and the change in habit from our clients, and then the clients that left mm. and moved, that that has been interesting to see in just the A lot last of people year. The city. A ton. Yeah, people that had the means were like, "I don't want to live like this." I I woke up and and decided like. I don't want to live like this, Mm -hmm. I don't want to place myself surrounded by violence if I don't have to. So I got crafty, which is my specialty, and I said, well, we have like a year until this thing kind of balances out with restrictions and travel and weddings and parties coming back. There's not a huge need for me to be here, I don't think it's best for my mental health for me to be here and always feel fight or flight, whatever. So I'm going to go build this van and invest in something that I can at least know I can get a return on. I can sell it and get my money back. But sitting here in Chicago waiting on my master's to tell me what I'm allowed to do next doesn't seem like the best use of my time. So that's kind of what spurred that decision.
0: But And this whole time you you had to cover, though. Cover cover the cost of the business. Yeah, nobody
1: gave me concessions. There was no rental concession, so I had you know, the salon rent, which was big or a storefront, huge windows, beautiful prime area. And then across the street, I was living in, you know, my city apartments, tiny little studio, but big price tag. So I started doing what I do best and getting crafty. I'm like, okay, something has to go. So I got rid of my apartment and I knew I was going to do the van. I got rid of my apartment. I gave away all my belongings. I didn't even want to sell it. You know why? I don't even want to wheel and deal with you. I don't even care. I just wanna give it to somebody who will appreciate it because people have done that for me. So that felt right. Like the idea of someone being like, I'll give you a 250 for your couch. I'm like, I don't even want it. I don't even want your damn money. I do not need it. I don't even want it. (laughs) I I didn't want any part of it. So that felt good and I offloaded and started getting creative i talked to a friend who does real estate just to bounce this idea i'm like hey i know they're not really like airbnbs weren't a thing for a while they couldn't really operate because people weren't traveling to the city i'm like do you think i could find one and they'd give me like half off to stay there and like because they're not able to use it and i'm doing it short term i don't know i was trying to get crafty She's like, I actually have one in my basement. I remember that. Yeah. I said, you do? Yeah. And she had a little girl.
0: traded services.
1: Mm-hmm. She had a little girl. Her and her husband were working from home with a three-year-old, which is literally impossible. I mean, they could hurt themselves at any time. Yeah. So when I got there, they, of course, like didn't want to take money from me or anything like that. They were doing the neighborly thing and like the village mentality of, we're all here to take care of each other. So the second I learned, well, here's how I can contribute. Let me take care of her. My schedule's flexible now, because we're doing six clients a day when we were doing 46 clients a day. Really brutal. And I don't even want to think about that. So I'm like, (laughs) let me diversify my time so I don't think about that. And I got to spend time with this beautiful child and help the family. And it was just such a beautiful exchange that it like set the tone for this whole experience. Yeah. I'm like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be cultivating our village and helping each other in all the ways that we can help. It's not supposed to be just on these parents. It's not supposed to be just on me. It's just, I don't believe that that's the way that we're designed. Yeah. So that was kind of the beautiful starting point to this whole mm-hmm. adventure two years ago.
0: And, and with the number of clients being reduced, mm-hmm. um, another source of income was creating merch.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you remember? Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. saw some of those come up on doing my story. Doing your everything Our... yourself. It was so beautiful.
0: The, the, what, you, it, it was tie dyed, right? And, and, and then I you, had never, you shipped it
1: yourself. Like you... I had never tie dyed before. <laughs> First of all, let me tell you that. I am not that cool. So <laughs> I remember people doing that when I was a kid. We had all of this merch that if clients wear the wrong clothes, because with spray tans, it's important gotcha. that you don't wear the wrong clothes. So we had all this black merch oh. because they don't get the spray tan on them. And I was sitting in my apartment, like staring down at my dead, empty salon and my dead plants and like all the deadness. And I'm like, this is such a bummer. And then I kind of got this inkling, like people were talking about tie dye or buying tie dye things. And I was like, I'm doing a tie dye party on Instagram live. <laughs> Come do it with me where I literally made myself sick because I had never done it before. So I'm doing it in my, I'm doing it in my tub with the bleach. And I'm like, hold on, this is not good. Hold excuse my dog's lady. Thank you. Come here. Um, this is real life podcasting. <laughs> but um, so I started doing that and that after we finished the final product and there wasn't that many people on the live, a couple hundred people on the live and um, lady, I need you to be quiet, please. Thank you so much. Um, people were DMing me like, mm-hmm. "Can I buy that?" And I'm like, "Yeah." you could totally buy that. So then I put it out there like, hey, I'll make this for you, cause I didn't really have anything to occupy my mind at the time. And I started making them and people were like, can you make one for me and my sister and can you send it to her? I'm like, yeah, I can do anything. And it became this thing and it started breathing life into this thing. And what was- What did it, what did it say on the- Babe support babes. Gotcha, yeah. And it was so cool because, you know, people were afraid to see each other, they were afraid to interact. So I would like make all the tie dye in the salon, hair sinks put them in trash bags, wet, which I couldn't figure out why I was having such back problems. I was like, this shit is so heavy. <laughs> so then I would put them on my back, walk them across the street, dry them, fold them. And then I would text people and be like, I'm on my way. And I would walk them to them yeah. and like be downstairs and ring the doorbell. Hey, dude, here's your stuff. And it was this beautiful way for people to at least feel like happy about something. Excited about something, they were helping me. I was excited. Yeah, it was just the most beautiful thing, and it turned out to be where. Then we started shipping them wholesale. Like I started doing them and shipping them to, to other salons that couldn't wow. work. A lot of salons in California, because they were shut down for like so nine not even months. your licensees Like other no salons. anybody. Oh, wow. okay. I was sending them to them at wholesale wow. so that they could sell them and do the same thing, and it became this like beautiful nice. way to engage when things were. You know very different yeah
0: so and i'm sure that's very eye-opening to what everyone was craving that that human connection Mm -hmm. um and did that further uh reinforce that fan build or just to to get on the road and just like i did you like the pivot to more babes behind brands Mm -hmm. okay
1: Mm -hmm. i just felt like i knew instinctively that we had like a year when we reopened, I knew we had a year of, like, we're going to flatline. We're probably not going to make money because of restrictions. So it just made the most sense to me to at least do something where I could connect with people. Mm-hmm. When I went to Florida, Florida was very open. Mm-hmm. It was a very different scenario. I still wasn't really seeing that many people because I was just focused on the van builds, But it had a different quality, you know, of life. And that was important to me, especially when we couldn't really do much here.
0: Yeah. With, uh, I guess, going back to the salon, like, was it hard to, like, what was the dynamic between your team? When? Because, I mean, it it was hard to, was it to, you had to cut costs. Mm -hmm. And if clients weren't coming in, did you have to, like, reduce your team members?
1: Well, what ended up happening is, like, once we realized that it wasn't going to be just two weeks, I knew instinctively that day. So I remember being in the salon on a Saturday And I had just come back from Brooklyn because Mm. we were going, we were looking to open there. And I came back.
0: What a 180. I know.
1: I came back the day before we shut down. We did an event in the space. And the next day when they shut down two weeks and I knew in my heart, I felt it. I was like, it's not just two weeks. That's just not going to happen. I don't even know why I knew that, but I knew that. And so I'm crying and the girls are like, it's going to be okay. It's just two weeks. I'm like, it's just really not just two weeks. I just knew it. Yeah, I it, just knew that. I
0: started hearing, you start hearing it like in Europe and in Asia and you're like, it's not going to
1: happen. You can't come here.
0: <laughs> it came. <laughs> so what
1: ended up happening was, you know, everybody had to go on leave and yeah. on unemployment, which was the best move for them. Like they ended up getting great money from that. And that was the only way that we'd be able to survive. Thank God for that. But then everyone had to make their own decisions based on where they were at in life, based on their new goals whole world changed
0: a lot of new entrepreneurs came out of the pandemic too
1: i found in my industry everybody wanted to be their own boss after this that was there was a class of a lot of people that wanted to be their own boss and there was a class of people who still that's also not their role because it's not for everybody Mm -hmm. but i found it's interesting when i go back and look at the history of employees that i've had over 13 years we've produced at least 20 entrepreneurs nice and i'm like that's not so bad. You know, they may not always leave loving me for whatever reason, because I can push limitations. I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone because I want better for you Mm. because I think you can do better. I'm a coach at heart forever. Always have been. Um, I'm like, well, that's does, it does say something though. So I'm taking that as a win (laughs) for sure. But literally 90% of my staff didn't come back, which was not something I was expecting. Um, but it was a shift that needed to happen in order for me to live my best life and in order for them to live their best life. So it worked out. At the time, it was just really hard sure. to experience. And there was a lot of reflection and learning from that. But I wouldn't change it. I'm yeah. so grateful. I'm so grateful how, for
0: that. How has it been playing catch up as you know, wedding, wedding season is like <laughs> twice as fast and twice as many now and, and that just like...
1: It's been brutal you're in that
0: territory. Right. So
1: it's been brutal. And you know what else is there is still a lot of people who have a 2019 mentality on how they're going to be serviced.
2: Oh,
1: We don't have receptionist anymore. We can't answer your call immediately. We don't have the capacity. So we kind of changed where if you call in, there's a message and then text us because that's easier for us to respond to. So changing people's habits in that way has been really fascinating, mm. but better for the business because we had to lean out everything sure I mean, we had to get rid of anything that wasn't working and then find new ways to find things that did work yeah so that has just been um, very much of a learning opportunity but I love those things I love the challenge I'm like let's do it that's fine you can you can like you can burn me down but I always come back so go ahead come at me dude <laughs> that's kind of the mentality that I do live by I always have right right right.
0: so how did your other licensees fare
1: they did well okay. they did well our South Carolina store they did well they had because they're on a college campus okay you know primarily in that town is the college and then the um it's the capital so they've done really well and they've done something really interesting we've been working on for months you know we cut services down to just our core services simplified That was really beautiful for years, like seven years. It was all about parties, bachelorette parties and bridal parties and all those things that wasn't back to individual, back to basics. So they've been able to, now they're sharing space with another salon. Oh, And that's been so cool to be able to help them out. They had problems with their lease and we're like, we got room, let's make it work. So building like a true community mm-hmm. has been beautiful. It's been mm-hmm. such a, like a beautiful thing to witness and experience and, and kind of inch towards. In Chicago, we offloaded our blowout services, our makeup services, all of those were not gonna come back. And I leased out the space to other independent artists. So we're all working under one space, but everyone's a separate entity. And that's been fascinating and, mm. and beautiful to experience and helpful from a financial perspective, we needed it. Mm-hmm. So, thank God for all these pivots, but damn, they were brutal. <laughs> they were really brutal. I was like, what is next? <laughs> I'm still standing. Gosh, what else? You know?
0: Um, with the van build, did you think it would take this much, and did you was your budget anywhere close to what you've been spending on it? Mm because I'm, I'm I'm for selfish reasons i want to I want to do the van life eventually myself, right yeah,
1: so. and you know what's really funny about the van the van life for me and the whole build? It wasn't just for me. Mm. I knew instinctively the whole time and going back home to where I'm from in Florida, I got to really see that from people from my past that I got to visit with. Yeah. They were like, dude, you're doing it. Even though, you know, I had this one picture of success and everybody's like, you have all these places and you're doing all these things and that looks like success. And then you burn it all down Mm. and you're still willing to build it back in a new way. And I think it gave a lot of people a different set of hope, even though their lives weren't as, as changed as ours here in the city. It very much different based on the market. Sure. Very much. Um, but I would notice that in my conversations. I'm like, man, this is giving this dad who's like doing his best and going to his office thing and has a happy life, has a happy life, a little bit more of a spark. That's worth it. That's worth it. Yeah. And, and I found when I went home, like just this resurgence of energy for the most part. There were some people who were like, what the hell are you doing? You're literally to- ruining your life. Ooh. You like are making huge mistake. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm still going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I appreciate your opinion, but I'm still going to do it. Like, love me anyway. Yeah. I'm still going to do it. If it's if I make a mistake, it's mine. I'm not going to ask you to clean it up. So I did lose friends in a lot of ways because my life was, like, scary to them. And I think they see vans and they think I'm going to, like, sleep in a Cracker Barrel on the side of the road. I'm like, I'm not that girl. I, I love that people can do that. I'm not built like that. I'm also, like it's a testament to facing your fears because it's not the most comfortable thing for me No, to sleep somewhere strange at night, but I think it's building this trust back in the world that I needed. it. Yeah. You know, people will offer to help me that you wouldn't even expect. And then you're like, that makes so much sense. I'm going to accept that help or like different ways that I'm finding to find places to stay, you know, tend to be like really beautiful experiences. So I'm like, I'm learning a lot.
0: So on one hand, you know, your faith in humanity has been restored and then there's still awful, awful things going around Mm -hmm. the world.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, I noticed if I focus too much on what's happening in the world, because I think there's a lot of like, I'll call it Wizard of Oz action. That's my favorite movie growing up as a kid. (laughs) Like, you don't know who's behind, you know, who's behind that door managing everything. I know what feels true to me in a lot of ways but so much of it is just so insane that I'm like, I can't get wrapped up into that or else I will never move forward. I found in the very beginning of the van build and the pandemic, like I was on city pace. I think I told you about that. I was like, let's do it. I knew it could be done in two or three months. Well, I got to Florida and they're all busy. Not like here. Everyone was like looking for work. They were all busy. I was like, oh damn, this is not going to happen as fast as I think. And internally, I was struggling with that because I had this timeline in my mind, and that made sense, and I had to do it. I thought it was
0: a, short, a really quick turnaround, and I was like, yeah, she'll be back by, you said, November or December, yeah. and uh, uh, no. she's still down there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I think it was, Victor? And I know that you'll appreciate this because we've had conversations like this before. I had a lot that I wanted to learn and uncover about my family, generational traumas, lineage, all of that. So the first time when I went down there, it happened to be all about the masculine energy of my family, Mm. all about that. I was presented with all of these different moments where I got to see what it was like, Mm -hmm. what my own masculine energy was like, how it affects my life and other people's life. And I was like, wow, I've learned so much about myself and my history that I think is very beneficial to anyone that I meet then i came back to chicago for the summer half half finished with the van (laughs) i'm like wah wah so i came back like damn it i still have this cloud over my head like how am i gonna get this done and had to come back for the summer because we got really busy thank god in Mm -hmm. 2021 Mm -hmm. and then when that calmed down again i went back because i just had some i had a little bit left to finish and then i had a sick pup so he needed surgery i was like i'm not gonna have him have surgery on his bottom you know tmi if that's tmi for anybody and then being like twenty degrees, trying to go to the bathroom, and it's city and it's gross. Like, let's mm. give you the the snowbird season that you deserve. So we went down there, had the surgery. I got to experience again, and it was all about the feminine. I was like, really? "Well, aren't you tricky how, how did universe?" That work out? I don't know if it's because I was so open to Were it. You different
0: people, or yeah. Oh, okay. So
1: when I went back, I actually stayed with my cousin, my baby cousin, who's like three years younger than me but the last time I had lived with her was when I was 18 mm-hmm. and my mother went to prison. And so like all of us kids kind of dispersed to wow. our, our places. So she got to see me in that time. She reminded me of all of these experiences. She reminded me that at that time, mm-hmm. lady, sorry, ladybug, bird, come here, come over here. Everyone can hear you yelling. It's quite embarrassing for you. <laughs> quite embarrassing for you. Let's relax. Thank you. Um, she reminded me that when I was living with her, I would have her like sleep in the bed with me. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you were afraid to sleep by yourself. I'm like, what do you mean? I didn't remember any of that. She's like, Jen used to sleep with scissors under your pillow. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? But at that time I had testified against my mom. Mm. So that created a series of events where she was going to go to prison not only because of that but it wasn't helpful but that for me was the right thing to do i was like no this is the right thing to do and so she was following me and like chasing me oh wow Mm -hmm. and we had gone from living in motels where you like always hear somebody outside your door they weren't like the nicest motels so like you just heard a lot of like foolery and and chaos and riffraff so i never slept well So when I got there, it just took a very long time for me to decompress. Now, flash forward 20 something years, I come back from living in Chicago in chaos and violence. People would follow me down the street during the riots and be like, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna kill your dogs. I'm like, why would you wanna do that? Leave me alone, all I wanna do is go for a fucking walk. Leave me alone. This this happened? Yeah, it happened more than once.
0: Did anything, Like, what would you do? What would you do? What did you do?
1: One time you just it kept was, walking? Like, what? Yeah. One time it was a kid out of a car. And I was like, are you okay, like a, like child? A or? Yeah, it was like a woman driving. And the woman just kept straight like this. And the kid. And she was so angry, Victor, that I'm like, how could you possibly? She's like, hey, hey, you, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to kill your dogs. I'm like, don't talk about my dogs. <laughs> you know, I was so mad. But it was just like madness. And then when I would walk down the street, all I do on the weekends sorry to be a spoiler, I'm not that fun, but I have fun. But what I wanted to do is just go on my walks. I love walking in the city. I would meet people, especially with dogs. You'd meet all kinds of people. That was all I wanted to do. And I would go and walk and like dudes would come up behind me, you know, so close, like so close. Like we're in your neighborhood now, bitch. We're going to get, I'm like, can't you just leave me alone? I've never heard I anything have... like this before. Yeah, I might just be lucky. That was my experience.
0: Yeah, oh my God. Mm-hmm. No, that's still very traumatizing.
1: I know. So when I got back there, there was like a whole period of rest that my nervous system needed to relax and know that I was safe. I remember the first day that I got to Tampa... And I was staying on this beautiful little island where like old people go retire is amazing. So you could walk around there. It was like Tom Brady's neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So you could walk around there. Ain't nobody going to bother you. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, this is beautiful. Birds are chirping. There's life almost right by the water. And all I wanted to do was walk. So I walked and I was right downtown and nothing was boarded up and mm-hmm. nothing was like awful. And there wasn't like bottles in the street where everybody had been drinking all day. And I'm just like, oh it does it's not like this everywhere. I was Florida living a in a bubble. Route. Florida does, and I 've kind of like <laughs> gone ham on a few people a little bit lately about it, protecting it because the way you think about a lot of the media, like the stories that you hear is not the reality it's not and there was a lot of shit talked about Florida and how they handled things, but none of my friends there lost what I lost. Mm. And nobody, nobody there lost their peace of mind, and their peace, and their their sense of like well-being. I'm gonna be fine walking down the street. I felt that way. They didn't feel that way there. Florida's like this. Like don't start anything with me, and there will be no problems ever. Yeah. And they're good old boys, and people want to work. There's a lot of retirees, good old boys. There's a lot of Hispanics like myself. And they just want to work and be left alone. Just leave me alone. Let me do my thing.
0: Yeah, I I'm curious what the, you know, what the COVID death toll was compared to mm-hmm. places that were more uh, conservative with you know vaccinations mm-hmm. and masks. Mm-hmm. Um, with Florida, I'm, I'm, I haven't looked into we that.
1: We need to fact check that and see. <laughs> I would be very curious. Yeah, I would be very curious about that.
0: And you know, with with the number of unknowns from COVID. You know, many states were probably planet conservative. And I think that's where a lot of the flack came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's there's always three sides to a story, right? You know, it's your side, their side, and the and truth. The truth. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So My
1: stepdad always used to say that. Yeah, he always used to say that. But even lately, I'll see people post, like, how much they hate Florida, or the eye roll emoji when they're going into Florida. I'm like, mm, but you're still going on vacation there, so it can't be too bad. You need to pick a lane. You need to pick and like stand on your choice versus being so permeable where you just want to do what's the popular opinion because Mm. you don't want to not be liked. Mm -hmm. I'm okay if you don't like me. I'm okay if you don't like me. Yeah. But Florida did me right in a lot of ways. So God bless Florida. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's been
0: so nice to see the number of people like just helping with the van build. And and although it's like off schedule like take your time you know it's it's you can't rush these things you want to do it right you know because personally I'm not that handy and I think I'd want to learn more things before living in something Mm -hmm. and in case something were to go wrong Mm -hmm. Um, so to be very familiar with the electrical and the water and everything like yeah definitely take your time
1: yeah and I learned so much along the way like you said there were so many different people that stepped in to help which goes back to it takes a village mentality Mm -hmm. right I had to learn that like it wasn't about the end result it was about all those moments in between yeah so I got to work with like people that I love amazing families all these people that stepped in that I would have never guessed my friend and her husband they have two twin boys too who are my my homies (laughs) they stepped in and big time helped me out when I came to a bottleneck I was like oh my God, I have no more help, I would have never imagined. And it was like the most beautiful experience. And I got to be with them and spend time with them and be helpful in the ways that I'm helpful. It was just so rewarding that I was like, this had to happen on this timeline. Yeah. You had to be forced to slow down even more. You thought you were Zen Gen and good job, you're doing great, <laughs> there's more. There's always more, there's always another layer. And that was probably my biggest takeaway is like, there's always another layer yeah you know
0: yeah when when uh you were we were talking earlier how you know you might have been as open as you could have been previously Mm -hmm. uh but then you came to a realization that there's always more More. to be open Mm -hmm. um i'm just like what other you know like the pandemic helped you realize like what's truly important and then and then ziggy being sick also helped you realize and Mm slow down and so I know you really haven't had an issue saying no to people, but, but how much more like prioritized, like is your life these days?
1: So much more. I would say I'm like a reformed people pleaser for sure. Okay. And then also reformed savage. <laughs> so that's, it's literally <laughs> savage weird.
0: as far as like hustler culture or like, like what,
1: what? hustler culture, just like the way that I've had to navigate the world since I was young, and really like make sure that I took care of myself no matter what, that's fine, and it serves a purpose, but it's not the way to get you to a beautiful life, I don't think. Mm. You know, when you're dealing with fight or flight? Lady. Yeah. When you're dealing, or you're in fight or flight all the time, it's not the most helpful way to be, and I feel, I've learned this from COVID. Different people experienced it differently. Some people were like, I wasn't traumatizing at all. It was fine. They didn't even care about the violence. They're like, nah, I don't know. Maybe they're desensitized to it in a way that I'm not. But I think based on like where you come from, it brought up all of my traumas almost for revision, okay? So I'm sitting there in my 500 square foot apartment for those 90 days, not knowing what's gonna happen with my business, not knowing what's gonna happen with my life. And all of these things of like, You're going to lose all your money. You're not going to have anywhere to live. You have to start over. You know, you're on your own. It's you. It's you with you. You know, just seeing how all of the pieces kind of played out. And I had to be able to reevaluate that and establish what was true and what was just my mind playing with me. Mm. And just old traumas coming up to revisit to say, have you healed me? Do you understand me? Mm. Or do you want to kind of repeat some of this stuff? I'm like, I don't want to repeat none of that. So... As far as my boundaries and what would
0: have repeated it been looking like, look mm, like?
1: I mean, panicking, mm. panicking with the loss, the financial losses were huge, huge.
0: And that's so subconsciously strong uh-huh. for you to even realize that.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I had placed all of this energy into if you work hard, and think about this because the world told us this the Gary Vee's of the world, the Tony Robbins, and there's some truth to it as well but I learned that there's also some untruth to it. If you put your head down and work for 10 years, you can have everything you want, right? Mm. That's what we're taught. I did that, and a pandemic just threw all that out of out of the window, because it was like, no, overnight I was in the best financial position of my life, zero debt, zero loans, nothing. I'd never taken on any of that, because I'm Cuban, we don't like, owe nobody money, so we put it under our mattress, thank you so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got a chance to revisit that, and kind of see how I wanted to experience that. And I made choices. I was like, I'm not going to believe that this is the end for me. Or for this chapter. It's just like a, a shift. Mm. And I can shift with it or I can fight and resist it. And I just told myself, I'm not going to fight and resist it. If I would have stayed here for those snowboard seasons that mm-hmm. I call them, I felt like it would have been me resisting what was trying to come through. And what was trying to come through was like, you can do this different. This can look different for you. You can make this whatever you want. And so we did.
0: How how active was Baze behind brands before uh, pre-pandemic?
1: Gosh, pre-pandemic, I was traveling. I was hosting retreats. I was hosting workshops. I was speaking at big conventions. So that was like lighting me up inside. That goes back to that evangelist <laughs> mentality. I love it. I'm like a preacher in my own right. And I love what I do. And I love connecting with an audience. So not being able to do that was a bummer. You know, we had our, we were going to do a huge Canada, Canada event oh. in September of 2020 in Banff,
0: oh. Canada.
1: I know. Oh. I'm telling you, when I see There's Banff... There's one place like, to settle down. I know. <laughs> I know. That water. Have you ever seen that water?
0: I've seen it from Glacier National Park. Insane. Yeah.
1: So, you know, all of these, all of the momentum kind of came to a halt. We did a virtual event. That was really fun. Just trying to, like, help people stay positive and stay hopeful. There was one day where I did like 50 calls in a day. I was like, I can give you 15 minutes and I'm also from a coaching perspective trying to help people in a situation where I don't even know how to help myself. Mm. I don't know the right answer. I don't know what the hell's gonna happen. We used to be able to trend and forecast and know and use data. All our data's gone, still gone. Mm. Um, So that was a really eye-opening experience. But what I learned was I felt intuitively I'm just supposed to show up for people. Hmm. And the rest will work itself out. And I found that when I was in Florida, I got to visit with a lot of business owners that I love down there and new ones that I met. And we had amazing experiences. Theirs were different, but I learned something from that. Where I would do a lot of calls with people and now I stop. When I'm planning my routes, I kind of try to like forecast, okay, who do I know that's in this general area Mm -hmm. and route to suit that so that I can see the people that I really care about. And that's been... Amazing, amazingly rewarding, amazingly like fulfilling to be able to just sit with someone and uncover whatever they need in that moment that I, that I can offer. And I don't really always know what that is, but I'm really, really skilled at listening and like fine tuning what people are saying. And then I find that, that I am helpful and that it is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Cause I get that feedback and I'm like, okay, cool, next, keep going. Yeah. And I feel like the more I follow that intuitive divine nature, The more doors just keep opening for me.
0: Sure. Sure. Um Are you familiar with Studs Turkle? What is it? Studs Turk it's a guy. Studs his name is Studs. Studsy.
1: Studs.
0: Studs Turkle. He passed away in 08. There's a cool documentary on HBO Max, but he interviewed I feel like this is this is probably like an over not like a, n I don't know. Um he interviewed Chicagoans and just of all backgrounds and of Mm. all trades. And just to figure out like what's, why do they do what they do? Kind of like what the podcast is, but like, um, and kind of like what you're doing now, like what you're, when you're meeting people
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and is there a percentage or a ratio you think about because you're, you're also a life coach. So like mm-hmm. between a breakdown between salon owners, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to people in general, mm-hmm. or are you just open to anyone
1: i am i would say i'm mostly open to anyone but what naturally has been occurring is families with businesses like families with small businesses Mm. that's been kind of funny because it was like individuals it was primarily female before which Mm -hmm. is great Mm -hmm. but i also like the diversity of adding in male energies and working with us we had a conversation about Mm -hmm. that i feel very comfortable You know, talking to males, very comfortable. I grew up with three brothers and a lot of dudes in my family and my atmosphere. So I've loved how it's naturally shifted. And I also believe, like we said, divine intervention, callings, synchronicities aren't coincidences. I don't believe in that. And I believe the universe keeps sending me families for a reason because Mm. it's something that I deeply desire. And that may be something that I wasn't willing to admit to myself before. And now I have to, because all these damn little angels keep coming into my life, these <laughs> little cool people, um, to remind me, and I feel like kids are the truth. Kids, old people, and animals. They have no filter. That's it. That's They have that's no what it filter. Right. They're the truth. They don't care what you achieve. They could care less what, how many salons I have. They want to know, are you going to play this game with me? Mm-hmm. Are you going to bounce on this trampoline with me and laugh? That's all they care about. And it's so beautiful because they can like, just get you down to like what's the truth, It's the truth for you now. So it has been a lot of families with small businesses, and I'm almost like, this is what I'm seeing, (laughs) I'm almost like a family nanny, right, Mm. for people with businesses. Okay, I'm very good at helping you plug holes and solve problems in your business that are usually leading to problems in your life because they all go together. And then I'm also very good at integrating with families. I don't know, I think we talked about this last time on the podcast, but when I was younger, When we were hotel hopping, there would be a lot of times where I would stay with friends or stay with their families to get a break from the hotel life. And I was able to do that. I should say motel life because it's different than a hotel, thank you so much, period. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I would go integrate with families and one of the things that I learned was just really how to like move in the family without without causing too much, making too many waves. Now what's so beautiful, full circle 20 years later, is like people are like please come stay with me and my family and please give us whatever you can offer us so it almost feels like all of that all of this covid all of the business experience all of the life experience has come full circle into this body of work that mm. wow may not make sense to everyone but for the people it makes sense for if it can make sense
0: i mean that's super niche
1: yeah definitely <laughs> they're like were what was that show was it like the nanny it wasn't the nanny it was like. The woman, I think she was British and she went into people's homes with their kids.
0: Yeah, I'm imagining like an updo with red lipstick. And <laughs> she, yeah, I, I, she had like a high-pitched voice. Yeah. Too. Oh, I can't, yeah, I can't think of it. But I, I have... You can think, see what I'm face, talking yeah, about. In my head, yeah.
1: But it's so interesting because when people come to me with a business problem, I'm like, sure, that's the problem. When you really drill down, it's so much more in how you're managing yourself and how you're managing the stresses of your business and not making the stresses of your business become who you are. Those are separate. That's so very
0: easy Mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. Because you take your business home Mm -hmm. and you're constantly thinking about Mm -hmm. it.
1: And then if you do that all the time for years at a time and you don't cultivate a full robust personal life, then when you're in a pandemic for 90 days, locked in your home with you have, mushrooms and edibles, no <laughs> you're like, well, that was not, that did not go the way I planned. <laughs> so you can reevaluate and say, maybe there's a better way. Okay. And that's what I did. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping an <it> real, Victor. <laughs>
0: wow. Um, so what, within the next couple of years, what do you think is going to happen? Do you have a goal? Or do you have a vision?
1: One thing I always have is a vision. Um, In the next few years, I'm working towards finding where I want to settle roots next. I feel like the chapter in Chicago of me living here full time is over, which is fine. It's beautiful. I love this hybrid of being able to pop in for two weeks and pop out and be in nature. I think it's the most perfect balance for me now. Um, I think over time, I'll settle somewhere else. I do want to work on a retreat space Mm. and have a space where people can come to me in the future. It's always been my dream to own a home. And I do believe that I thought for many years that it wasn't a possibility for me based on old conditioning, life experiences. So I built my first tiny home, my van. Yeah. I was like, well, I have a home now and you can't take that away. Um, Eventually, I'd like a home where people can come and I can do retreats on my property. I always say, like, people are like, what are you going to be doing the next few years? I was like, I'm going to be in the forest, writing books, raising tiny Robin Hoods. And they're like, okay. (laughs) And that's what I see for myself. I see writing books, being able to, you know, offer podcasts or any of my information, you know, digitally, and hopefully raising a family, hopefully having a family.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. I know I met recently probably last year um, met someone a couple from California they just had a one year old they also have a little pup but they are both creatives I guess one of them is more in the video photo world and the other one is left she was like an OR nurse and doing like nurse coaching life coaching type stuff. Um, But they invested in an Airstream, and in exchange for his video services, he got a plot of land in Mexico. (laughs)
1: Amazing.
2: And
0: when you're not using the Airstream to travel in, they can Airbnb it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just have, I feel like you would do something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And... The retreats are very much so in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you got a lot of inspo from visiting Nick recently. Yep. <laughs> yep.
1: That's my spirit animal right there. You know, the, the retreats and being able to, I think it's so impactful. I noticed that within, when I was with my cousin when we were living together, you know, you, can, you adapt to the energy around you. Yeah. So if you have the right, positive, good energy around you, you'll elevate. And a lot of times I find in retreats what's so powerful is you're in it. So if it's three or four days, you're surrounded by it and you can't help but change if you're open to it. You can't help but grow and like unlock new layers of yourself. So I think there's something very powerful to that. I think Tony Robbins's events aren't attracting twenty thousand people a weekend for no reason. You do surround yourself and you get a lot of information, and it's powerful in those in those settings. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, and figuring out where that's gonna be, I know. I told you this before, I'm going to intuitively pull up to a town, I know myself, because this has happened like three to four times when I've moved, where I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be here next, cool. It's just the way my brain works with the van. Oh, we're supposed to live in a van. Okay, lady, that's great. Like, even when I think it's weird, if I feel like it's meant to be, I do it. So I felt that way when I moved to Chicago. I'd only been here on vacation for four days before.
0: It's funny that you're calling it a vacation. Uh-huh.
1: No, that's where that's how I moved here. I'd come here on vacation for 4 days so I'd experienced it for like 4 days with
0: Oh, this is like when, very back in the day. Yeah, this oh, is okay, like 15 okay.
1: years ago and when the idea came to move, my idea came to move to Chicago based on something traumatic. I had had a coach, a dance coach that I was really close with. Um she passed away during labor having her baby. It was like perfectly in shape, all the things and I was like what I didn't even know that could happen I'm like that can happen this is insane life is short I cannot like live in any kind of environment that I don't feel like is what's next for me yeah I was working at an amazing spa I was making way too much money but I knew intuitively I'm like if I stay here I'm gonna get sucked in by this money I'm gonna get used to having this car I'm gonna just get sucked in and I feel like there's something more so I moved here and I only spent like three days here. I was like, yeah, it's going to work out great. I did the same thing. I went to Miami once. This is before that move. I went to Miami once for a weekend. I was like, oh my God, I should move here. And I moved there in two months. I did the same thing with Chicago. <laughs> so I know I'm going to find somewhere. Imagine if
0: you're still dancing, like, like professionally.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, well, also another driver for traveling is being able to attend dance events. And like, oh. I have dancer friends. I used to be a pro dancer. So I have dancer friends all over the country that I'm like dying to see. So I set up these little pop-ups to go dance with all these different community of dancers. You. Yeah. I can't, that's one thing that's been on my bucket list to return to is like something that doesn't make you money. It's just something you love to do for the love of doing it and the, the feeling of experiencing it. So I plan to dance my pants off this. I want it, this yeah, year.
0: But, you know, what connects both of us or like as far as value-wise, it's like this sense of Community mm-hmm. and uh, f- you know, retirement for me would look like buying property in Hawaii and Air- uh-huh. just being an Airbnb and, and mm-hmm. showing people the love of the land. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I stayed in uh Thailand for a few days, and the owner of the Airbnb was also a chef at the restaurant, and his the level of hospitality was just above and beyond. Yeah. To, to the point where if you need a ride somewhere, I'm happy to take you. You should come mm-hmm. to my restaurant. We'll, you know, I'll mm-hmm. get you dinner and stuff like that. Um, and I want to just, you want to pay that forward or you, or you want to cultivate that. Yeah. So whether it's, like, the podcast, or maybe one day doing live podcasts with an audience or photography and hosting photography sessions and, and walk through this through the city, you can do that as an Airbnb experience, actually. These uh-huh. Days, right? Those like, are really cool. My friend, like hired a photographer as an Airbnb experience in New York city. So they went on the subway and just like took pictures around the subway and stuff. And so, you know, so many like ideas are, are definitely brewing, but I think retirement for most people, retirement looks like doing nothing, but retirement is like doing what you want to do on your own terms when and when, you know? So, um, if that's a retreat and, and that's the thing with retreats is like, there's, or as a coach and me as a teacher is like, there's that saying of like you teach when you don't do, yep. and you're very much still so, so still learning a lot on a on a daily basis. Yeah, uh, but I definitely feel that um, that absence because I'm not I'm not active in emergency medicine anymore. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get back in it. I mean, I still have. Maybe I have the frame for flight medicine. So being a flight paramedic and just transporting people across country and like, it looks like you can either choose helicopter or private jet Ooh. and they fit stretchers and really sick patients and you're transporting, you know, to and from facilities. Um, oh. So that's my one outlet back in. Cause I have no goals of running into burning buildings. So I don't want to be a fireman. Nope. Um, I stick to the medicine side. Um, but you and I, we both, I, I, my last post on my photography page is like, I feel like a daily dabbler. Mm -hmm. Meaning like I I have no niche. I I shared like how I'm not a wedding photographer. I'm not a boudoir photographer. I'm Mm -hmm. not, you know, a branding photographer. Headshot. I I just, I feel like I do. A lot of different things. Like whatever I want to do. And and there's pros and cons to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just getting sidetracked right now. But like as a coach, as a teacher, um, it's still very important to be within it
1: stay curious yeah to stay curious about what's next and what you can also learn because whatever we're learning we're serving and offering that to people if I hadn't had that lengthy stay in Florida I wouldn't have learned all the things that I had learned Mm. and I just think that gives me like a more robust palette per se to to share with people is like I have a lot of different experiences to offer now you know I think there's something amazing to that
0: Do you want to stay within the States or you want to, because I, you know, Bali, Mexico.
1: (laughs) I did just. um, Canada. Canada. mm -mm.
0: No, why not? So it's just a place to visit.
1: Mm. Canada after 2020. I have so many friends in Canada from the spray tanning world. Okay. Tons. Just to see what they went through and how oppressive that was for them. More restrictive. Yeah. It's actually funny. (laughs) So when I was, I took a trip. I had always wanted to go leaf peeping where you watch the fall colors change with leaves. Oh, I think faintly... it's a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I took my cousin on my first van trip from Florida to Vermont. Ooh, Vermont oh. to Chicago. And you see all those leaves in New England. Well, there's this one point where you're leaving Vermont and you have to go through New York, but it's very easy to mess up and go through Canada. And Canada was being so gangster at the time, I was like terrified. So we went like two hours out of where I am like, I don't want to go by Canada. And I used to think Canada was so warm and friendly. Gangster
0: in what way? Like they, they wouldn't let they you just, in?
1: No, I was afraid I was going to get in and they were going to like snatch me. I don't know. It's not what? a rational fear. <laughs> it's not rational. I'm not saying it makes sense. But in my mind, like any any areas of extremity, anything where I felt sure. like it was very extreme, I didn't want to be a part of. And I'm so glad that this is coming up because it's kind of been a f- like a lesson peppered through the last two years. Even people, places, things... If I felt like they were in an extreme place and I couldn't be helpful or I would get carried into that, like I had to let that go because it's like I don't want to re-experience that. Mm. I've already lived in crazy extremes for many years. I'm not doing that again. And I think that that's what the pandemic reminded me of. You have a choice. It may not be an easy one. It may not be the most simple. It was not simple to give away all my things, find places to live all the time,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: move around the way that I have and you know, kind of reestablish myself. But it was what absolutely felt to be the most important thing for me to do. Sure. So I refuse to like, live in extreme environments that I don't feel like are healthy for me. And that looks different for everybody based on their life. That's what's been so polarizing about this experience like, culturally.
0: Are people on both ends of the extremes unwilling to listen? Are they not as open-minded?
1: I feel like they can be. Whatever team or side. I'm not on any team or side, so it works out fine for me. I'm like, nope, I'm on the team truth, whatever that means for me. Whatever feels right and truthful to me, I trust it. Um, And when I don't trust it, I challenge it. Mm. Right? And I feel like a lot of people aren't willing to challenge their own beliefs and say, well, I have thought this way my whole life, but could I think a different way? Yeah. Could this be something else other than what I'm seeing? Am I seeing this through the lens of my own trauma and life experience? You know, there's a lot of come-to-Jesus moments when you ask yourself those questions regularly.
0: Even in a big metropolitan area, I think a lot of people are still living in a bubble.
1: Yeah, we're. Al- I almost believe that we're under a spell <laughs> in a lot of ways. I do believe that culturally... Um, spiritually, I do believe that.
0: So how does one break the spell?
1: Turn off the TV. (laughs) Just like that. Literally turn off the TV.
0: Because people choose to listen to certain things and Uh watch certain things, even if it's not their TV, even if it's their, their social media.
1: Oh, just as bad. It's a feedback loop. Yes. So it's going to affirm what you think or what you don't think. And it's almost like turn off all that noise and go and be in the world and see what you think then. See who you meet. So my brother, my middle brother, who is just a true blue kind of dude, he gave me this analogy. And it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's just straight up. He's like, Jen, the world's trying to, and he's smoking a cigarette. He kind of looks like the Marlboro Man. He's got a <laughs> big ass beard. He's just a tried and true dude, right? And he's like, Jen, the world's going to try to tell us that we're all different and we all hate each other. He's like, you know why I know that's not true? I was like, please tell me he's like so when i take my ass to Seven Eleven at 6 in the morning all the getter dunners are out there like me we're all holding the door for each other to go in and take a shit i'm like wow <laughs> but it's not untrue it's not it's real it's so real yeah he's like we're doing that somebody's getting their cinnabuns they're getting their coffee they're getting their gas he's like and we're all in this together and he's like and at the end of the day it's all up to god so fuck them and i was like Honestly, that's the best way I've ever heard it said before. It's so genuine and like salt of the earth. Mm. I do, anywhere I go, I meet wonderful people for the most part. Like when when the riots and the pandemic and the kids screaming out of the car and the dudes come, I was like, I don't feel like this is real, actually. I don't. I don't think that this is my people what, that I've been living around think, all the way. What
0: do you think caused those people to behave that way.
1: Oh, you don't want to open that box, Victor. <laughs> I'm
0: curious. <laughs> I'm kind of curious to set someone off like that, to berate someone just on the street for no reason.
1: That's a that is a box we might not be able to open today. <laughs> I'll get a lot of hate for that. <laughs> Come at me in the DMs. Um, I believe that intuitively I felt like a lot of that wasn't People that were living in Chicago. I do. That kid and that experience with that mom, I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. The mom was like a total zombie. Totally not present to her little child. Nine or ten. Are you okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is just so upsetting to even be that upset at a stranger. It's, it's like...
0: Was there anyone else around you? No! Oh. I was looking around like, oh. are
1: you talking to... Are they talking to me? Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was so bizarre. And even... Even the men, when I would walk down the street, you know, the Gold Coast was different for a while. They got brutalized with vandalism and and looting. Um, And there was just a different crowd there. It was almost like people partying in the middle of a day on a Sunday. That wasn't normal for the Gold Coast. Like that's, people are brunching and Mm -hmm. walking their dogs and stuff and shopping at Gucci or whatever. Um, So those people, I almost think everyone's, if you think about a pressure cooker, right? Mm. Everyone's like, Pressure, pressure, pressure. Some people have an inundation of all of this money quickly all of a sudden, but maybe not the financial literacy of how to utilize it as a tool. So they're making decisions. There's people trapped in their house and they don't have a release. They don't have any of their typical outlets. They don't have any of their regular routine. Routine's important. Yeah. So... And when
0: when that... You know, that when that gets wiped just, like, away, slipped under. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: it was almost like a free for all. Yeah, it was almost like a free for all. I'm Like, what are we doing? What is a circus? What is happening?
0: Maybe they feel like they have nothing to lose anymore. I
1: think so. I mean, I know I didn't. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it didn't cause me to make those decisions. It caused me to like give away all my shit and move in a van. But you know, everybody has a different lens and place that they're at. So I think some people are like, "What do we have to lose?" And they responded one way. And some people are like, what do I have to lose? And they responded another way. Yeah. You know, and it's based on, I saw a lot of people that had pulled themselves up out of like negative situations regress because they no longer had their work or their support system. Sure. A lot of people that were with me are the work environment was the support system. The outside yeah. family environment wasn't the support system. And so when they had to go back to the old way, you make choices You know, and I feel like the world split into the old world and the new world. And there's a lot of people still. Whoa. Play a sign. (laughs) There's a lot of people still prescribing to that old mentality. Hustle till you die. Sleep Mm. when you're dead. I mean, yeah, you'll sleep when you're dead because you're dead. But anyway. And then there's a whole new wave of people that are like, God, there's more. There's more than money. There's more than achievement. There's more than this validation. There's more than building an empire. There's just more. And... You know, people chose chose their own. A few adventure people there. tried
0: building empires from those COVID tests.
1: Blessings. <laughs> and they got,
0: well, they got in trouble, really, because they weren't submitting their COVID tests legitimately. So people that would take these tests would get false positives, or would wouldn't even hear back. They wouldn't even yeah. get a result. Uh, and then people discovered that the owners of uh, these COVID test centers were buying luxury cars at auctions, and and people in the comments would be like oil money and they're like COVID money
1: yeah that was what was really hard about the and this goes back to the media and kind of what they portray there was all of this false hope of like we're gonna give all these small business owners these ppp loans and all this money and like we were just living large i'm like what do you mean it was for two months Mm. but if your business changes for a year and a half that two months is so helpful thank you it's not that i'm not grateful but i also feel like you stole my money so like let's talk about that another day um but people had this oh you're getting the ppp you're fine i was like if one more person tells me that i'm gonna be fine from this fucking ppp money i'm gonna freak out i'm gonna freak out yeah because it was just portrayed in one way and people really only they don't get it they listen to headlines for anything
0: insurance you know when when windows broke you know break or
1: they'll break the windows i i remember when nick's um from high vibe when their place got looted yeah it was so sad to see and we were dming and it's like one in the morning i still have a picture of it it makes me feel so upset to this day because it's him and his wife and now they just had a second baby they're a family-owned business if you are mad at the government for their injustice burn down city hall you know what i'm saying it does not make sense to me no, people
0: aren't thinking it's not targeted
1: yeah but it felt like it oh, was for sure it totally felt like it was every time we had to put those boards up which you had to be prepared because then there was a shortage of that like you have to be ready that's just not a way to live and why would you torture your neighbor who's done the same thing you're wanting to do they built a life for themselves they worked their ass off I didn't feel like it was fair for us to be targeted, to get our stuff broken into. And we just had to accept it. That's how it was. I'm like, this is not right in any way, shape or form. And if you went against that narrative, Mm -hmm. then you're a racist. I'm like, what, how does that have anything to do with that? I would have people message me. And I was very diplomatic about sharing my views because I respect everyone. And Mm -hmm. everyone I know has different views. So I don't like to be polarizing. But I also don't like to be suffocated where I feel like I can't say what I think. And when that happened to them and I watched them feel so helpless, because remember they raised all the bridges and all those people were stuck there in that spot.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: And for people to just go in and trash all their stuff and then they had to be boarded up like that for weeks because the the window companies were over inundated, you're not gonna check from insurance for months. Mm -hmm. Let me debunk that myth. (laughs) Fact check whoever does that. And I posted about this and I'm like, this breaks my heart. And people would would DM me. You care about people over property or property over people. It's I'm like simple. That's not That is too simple of a way to think about it. That's those people's property. They worked their ass off to build this. This yeah. is their livelihood. Yeah. Well, money shouldn't be the factor. You say that until your way of making money is taken from you. Yeah. You don't see what you don't see. And and it was being just like totally laser focused on this one avenue when it was just so diverse of an experience and I had people who who messaged me white people you're just whitewashed you don't understand the experience of a brown person I'm like okay I mean I have an incarcerated parent I've been homeless I would think that I do and I am if you want to see me as whitewashed I actually had never heard that term before I'm like That's fine. I just think it's a weird thing for you as a white person to say to me. (laughs) And I I just think it's weird. I wouldn't come to you and be like, you know what? You're just too white to understand. Like, it's just not a a kind thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're you're a white passing Hispanic. I was like, what the hell does that mean? White passing. White passing. That means that like you off the street. This is what I learned in 2020. I wouldn't have assumed you're. You wouldn't have assumed I'm Hispanic. I was like, so you're saying I'm not brown enough for you right now. Sure. Okay, cool. Would you say that to this person? Why do you feel like you have the, what's the word I'm looking for?
0: The audacity? Or, yeah. Yeah.
1: Sometimes I'm like, are y'all for real? <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't even deal with this right now. And it was people who like their lives weren't affected the way that, that ours were. So the audacity that some people have had to say their views and now the way things have come full circle, I'm like, where y'all at? You guys had so much to say. Come with it. And they don't have anything to say. It's very fascinating. And it was very upsetting. I lost a lot of people in my life where I was like, I'm not even being vocal about what I think, but it's, it's just that you feel that you can say whatever you want to say Without in the name of your righteousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's uh, atrocities happening in, in brown and black neighborhoods all the time. And like these riots are nowhere to be found. Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah so it's very interesting and and uh there's no i don't see any logic in in any of the riots
1: um there has been so many times victor that i have been angry right in life feeling like when i went to testify against my mother which was a huge deal as like a barely 18 year old kid to have the courage to do that it was this close you know i did it in like a judge's chambers or whatever and i was like man i'm like Making a decision because I feel like it's the right thing that's going to affect this person, although they made their decisions, whatever. And then after I did that, it came to be the detective that like convinced me and coached me and was like, you know, this is the right thing to do. You can do this and we have this case and it's going to be solid. Because I really did feel like prison was the safest place for her, mm-hmm. at least for a while, based on like how she moved through the world. And then the detective slept with the other witness on the other side. So half of the sentence got reduced and oh, I'm like, shit. how dare you put me in this position to step up and do what I feel like is the right thing. And you don't, you don't keep that same promise to yourself when you could have sex with anybody else in the world. Do you know what I'm saying? That's like part of the reason where I lost faith in authority figures. I'm like, they're just people. Anyone can be flawed. Right. Anyone can be bought. Anyone can be convinced and swayed. And it's up to us and our moral fiber to make, you know, decisions that feel right to us. So.
0: so, I mean, so there is, you know, a part of you that empathizes with that movement, with the BLM movement of, like, cops have too much power authority in some sense. Or there are not, not, maybe not that, but, like, there are bad cops. But there's bad people all over the place.
1: There's bad people everywhere. And to hold the police system... Just to a degree where you're gonna have perfection I think is unrealistic, you can't. You can't have perfection in anything where you're not gonna have people slip through the cracks who think a certain way. And my thoughts on the BLM movement I will keep to myself because they probably won't be popular. Anything that I feel like balloons out of the system that it did, it just didn't feel genuine to me. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel genuine to me. Do I believe in, in the fact that Black Lives Matter and every live matter. Yes, I do. Yeah. But, you know, now look at what we have with what we've done to demoralizing police who work in fight or flight every day of their life. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is like a completely bananas way to have a job if you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Their nervous system, they need more. They got more. families
0: to go home to. Holy crap, mm-hmm.
1: they do. Everybody does. So I felt like the way the media took that and manipulated it, I couldn't get behind that. Sure. And I'm like, there's just too much. There's too much money here. And now there's a lot coming out on how they use that money for million dollar mansions yeah. and all that. I'm like, nah. Mm. It's an interesting
0: way to spend that money.
1: It's an interesting way to spend that money. And then I think they're, they're and cer- then circumventing
0: you, it by saying like, it's a place to re- host retreats.
1: <laughs> and they're saying that if you question it, which we should be able to question everything. If you question it, then you're inflicting trauma on them. I'm like, no, if that were me, they'd question my ass. What would be the difference? It's. I think there's just a lot of bait and switching happening. There's a lot of foolery. There's a lot of Wizard of Oz happening. So it's hard to speak clearly on any of it because I just feel like it's a lot of smoke and mirrors across the board, all the movements, all the things. If you look... Every day we have a new movement that we have to care about and get mm, outraged mm, by. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. No, thank you. I'm not going to do that because you know what you're going to do? You're going to switch the channel. COVID's over. Cool. We're doing this now. This war and this war. And you're just going to try to keep me off balance because you are siphoning my energy, actually. You're feeding off my energy and I won't allow it.
0: I think, I think it's important to be aware. But sure. Then, but then to a certain extent, uh, at what point do you stop living your life?
1: Right. Right. And, and that was, that's like a decision that we all have to make, you know, and unfortunately I feel like a lot of people are so off balance based on what happened because it's an insane thing that we went through in the last two years. Yeah, It's very unsettling. All the uncertainty, like humans need a certain level of certainty to function properly with all of that. I feel like that's just kept so many people and myself included at times just like not knowing what's next. Jesus, Lord, what's going to happen now? What do I need to care about now? If I don't say this right, you're going to hate me. If I don't say this right, you're canceling sure. me. So honestly, I'd rather just do my own thing and stay out of it. Because for the most part, I just don't trust the sources of a lot of what's happening.
0: Maybe people don't have enough going on in their own life.
2: I don't right. know. <laughs> they don't
1: have enough to focus on. Think about it. A lot of people, the biggest shift that they made in covid was they couldn't go to brunch on sunday and pound beers and watch football they couldn't like they weren't in the office getting that socialization which i have empathy for for sure it's just a different state of being when you're faced with that and you're faced with losing everything that you've built in your life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and in that way money does matter everybody needs a certain amount of money to live yeah you know and you've invested all this time and energy and making it this one way and then everybody's like i'll oh, just pivot your business and i'm like I wish it were that simple to just, just go ahead and pivot when we have done that before, just a lot of pivoting to make new money. But that's what I'm saying. The spells, the words that's being used, the headlines that are being used. There's so much trickery that happens in the name of, I think a lot of money and power that I just don't, I don't resonate with. I don't resonate with celebrity. Mm. I'm not impressed. Mm. I didn't hear a single celebrity talk about how to help small business, but J Lo sure did come out with a new perfume. I hope it's selling. Do you know what I'm saying? I got no love for you. Mm. But then when we would have these other movements, those people mattered. Well, why don't we matter? So I'm still waiting on an email about that. (laughs) Mrs. Lopez. (laughs) I'm still waiting. You know, it's crazy because when you talk about the shifts in values and cultural shifts, we have been trained to idolize these people. They're ordinary people. Yeah. And we're trained to idolize them and put them on this pedestal. And when I saw how all of them moved for the last two years, I was like, mm y'all are done for me because I know that my industry has supported your work and your newest haircut, haircut style and haircut trend and the bag that you're selling and whatever you're selling next. But I didn't hear a peep, for real. Tell me if I'm wrong. I didn't hear anyone. I'm still waiting. I didn't hear anyone talk about that. I didn't hear, except for Dave from Barstool. God bless Dave.
2: Yeah. Which came out with Dave the Barstool Portnoy. Stun,
1: The Barstool fund. That was the only person. For
0: not just, for any, any business. All not business. just pizza places.
1: I'm telling you, I cried like a baby when that first started happening because... Yeah. The genuine responses from the people who were however they won that or whatever, or however they got picked, I was like, Oh my god, they needed that so a few bad. These places
0: in Chicago got them.
1: People I mean, you see grown men cry like your dad's age crying and they don't they weren't taught to cry that generation. That was a beautiful thing. That's the only um celebrity per se that I saw even giving us a voice. And it's like we were being I feel like tortured. In a way, open, close, open, close. Restriction, this, that. Lori Lifefoot, I remember her going out to get a haircut and getting caught. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. But then
1: telling us we are going to lose our license. We will shut you down if I find you working under the table. What were we supposed to do? But what works for you is okay. Mm-hmm. So the hypocrisy of all that, and I'm not even a political person. I'm sure you know this. I'm like, Mm-mm. I just couldn't unsee that. So I felt like my relationship with Chicago was like a bad breakup gotcha i felt like you came in and like caused chaos in my world and then just left me to clean everything up and then i'm supposed to be you're supposed to tell me covid's over now because we're in this other war and that's what i'm supposed to care about but then what happened to all that i'm not gonna forget that i'm not forgetting (laughs) (laughs) i will not be forgetting that
0: Mm -mm. oh wow you think there's a chance to be forgiven
1: chicago (laughs) <laughs> With the current um the current leadership and I use that word very lightly. Mm. No. Not right now. Yeah. Mm-mm, not right now.
0: Where do you think you'll settle then if you have any like a top 5 or
1: <sighs> I know it's going to be the mountains. I feel like that's the next place for me. I've never lived in them. Okay. I've experienced them. I used to go camping every year as a kid in the Smokies and I felt this like strange Strange is not a good word, but this like really beautiful connection with mountains. When I go, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like everything is so clear. Mm -hmm. So I know it's going to be in the mountains somewhere. I just don't know where. And to be honest, I have been trying to learn how different states operate because I learned that I was like, okay, every state's different. That's how this works. I didn't know. That's not in my wheelhouse of anything that I would know. So I would pay attention because I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm going to get shut down or I'm going to get clamped on business-wise. Um,
0: yeah, so I guess like what other criteria are you looking for? Is it a community that you've kind of established you, you, with already in that area or
1: No. I think it's I think it's going to be intuitively guided by feeling. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to know because I have, like I said before, I have in every instance where I've moved, I've had I've gone somewhere and it's just felt right. And is it's it, not been wrong. Is
0: there a place on your list that you haven't visited yet that you want to visit? Oh
1: my gosh, I want to visit Utah, Idaho, Montana, Idaho that uh oh, Oregon yeah. for the hiking cuz I love hiking. Yeah,
0: Columbia River Gorge is Yeah. Great. yeah.
1: All of that I need to experience okay. to see. I also don't want to do brutal winter. So yeah. I'm, I'm not so fascinated with it like does, it does yeah. 8 snow, months of winter. Better, yeah. I need like sunshine and well, you're mobile. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing. <laughs> but when I do go to establish roots in a home, it'll be somewhere I don't want a full time. I gotta send winter. you this
0: Airbnb. Well, it's uh, it was like a couple miles of of uh, large rock, like off roading. Um, but it's an old mining town in Colorado, surrounded by mountains. Uh-huh. And the guy that runs it, it's an, you can find it on Airbnb. The guy that runs it only operates it in the summer. Otherwise. There's too much snow to even get through. Yeah. Um, and then he spends in his winter in Hawaii. So it's just like bang. <laughs> Isn't that
1: what's so interesting? Like I would have never thought of creating this kind of dynamic that I have going right now with like being flexible and mobile living. But I'm so glad I get to go and experience people, which is my most um, favorite thing, to travel and experience new things and see more of the world. So yeah. it's for that. I'm so grateful. I don't think I would have ever done it.
0: What are your thoughts on Mexico?
1: Mexico's? I've never been. Really? Yeah. I've only been to like Cancun and Riviera Maya, so I really only have like a limited experience with it. Um, I, I can't, can't
0: imagine the plot of land, you know, as being too costly compared to mm-hmm.
1: some places in the States. Do you know where I looked at? This is what I was going to say earlier when you were asking me if I looked anywhere international. I, saw, I was on Instagram and I saw this thing pop up about getting um, a visa in Portugal. And like okay. how to get your visa in Portugal. I was like, hold on. I've heard amazing things about Portugal and the people there, and they're literally like, this is pre-COVID, but that they would you would literally meet people off the street and they're welcoming in their home to have dinner. And um, so I looked into that. I don't know what the process is, but I asked them. I'm in like a queue to to learn more about getting my <laughs> visa to Portugal. <laughs> but I really am very open to whatever's gonna come my way next. I'm very open and ready.
0: Going off of how much you rely on intuition, mm-hmm. you're very open to plant medicine and mm-hmm. psychics. Mm-hmm. How long have you been been engaged in that stuff? And mm-hmm. have they come to fruition? Have they manifested like like after you've been told these things or shared these visions?
1: sure um i would say in regard to i've had a long time tarot reader her name's totem rage on instagram probably for over 10 years that i would visit like every few years and then the last few years it was more and more and we established more of a friendship but so much that she's been able to channel has been true for me um there's another have you ever had those aura readings you, you with the showed camera?
0: me yours, the colors, and you showed mm-hmm. me yours before you left for the first trip down, I
1: think, mm-hmm. to Florida. Amazing. Revealing soul in Chicago. She's... An, That's Instagram? aha, uh-huh. Revealing soul. Revealing soul. She, Cindy, she's amazing. And what she's been able to like pull out of a session, you'll take a picture with this aura camera and then you have all these colors and she basically explains what each color means particularly to you and then can channel um, loved ones and it's that has been incredible. Also losing loved ones, especially there's been there's been two lately. I lost a best friend. I'm, I think I've talked about this before, like 10 years ago. That was the first time I really started to learn about connecting to the other side. I just never had had experience like that. I'd lost grandparents and things like that. But I think because this one was so young and so early and so, I just never thought that, that could happen. Mm-hmm. I was so naive to that, that mm-hmm. it was like a, Life defining moment mm-hmm. I feel so connected to him Still on the other side That it's like I can't not believe For myself Yeah I'm just like
0: Yeah you see him And, see you and around you Yeah
1: All the time Or I'll get messages I actually got to go see his family On one of my last road trips mm-hmm. So I was coming from Phoenix To Florida For a Ziggy surgery And once I noticed On my route I've learned With the van To be flexible To not like Have these rigid routes Because things happen And things change And you have to be I think it's a really cool Kind of side effect But once I realized, I was like, oh my God, I'm going right through their new town that they moved in, I should text them. So I text them, I'm like, hey, I'm coming through your town. I'd love to like stop by for a day. They're like, please. And I've always been able to since he passed, because it's not my child. I think it's different if you lose a child. I can't even imagine what, how devastating that is. I can't even think about that. But I think at times it was hard for them to access him because it's so painful. And for me, I just started getting signs and I'm like, I don't know what this means, but it is helping me. So I'm just going to stay open to it. And I kind of trained myself, just stay open to it. So the morning I'm in New Orleans, in the suburbs of New Orleans, my first driveway surf, in a gated waterfront community beautiful view I'm like oh my god van life I thought it was so cool (laughs) I did it and I was staying with another spray tanner friend that I had met for a while on their property and they had a pool house and she said do you want to take a shower in our pool house I'm like yeah that would be great (laughs) just start my day fresh and I was getting ready to go see Mike's family they're like an hour away so I take a shower And afterwards she's like we have all these animals out here do you want to meet one of the animals I'm like yeah everyone makes fun of me I'm like Snow White like kids and animals like come to me um I'm like yes please so she had bunnies and cats and all these animals this cat a white like a Persian I think cat walks up to me 11 years old so I just noted the number and sits down and just starts staring at me and she's like oh my god that's Sebastian he's old Sebastian used to be when we would go to the clubs when we were young kids. You're like 18, you go to the club. We all had code names in case we met somebody and we kind of liked him, but we weren't sure. We didn't give him our real name, right? Oh, wow. that was Mike's code name. Oh wow. And I was like, "Good morning, you're here, <laughs> cool." So I make my journey. I note that and I'm like, "That's hilarious." He's like letting me know you're on the right path. So I drive to meet his family. His mom's at work, and she's like, "Just come over here when you're ready." So I come in, I open the door and she's like, I'll be right with you, not knowing it's me. And she comes around the corner and she's like, it's you. And we instantly can like feel the energy of him in the room. We're sitting down talking, 15 minutes into talking, um, a song comes on. When we were kids, we used to dance to Time of My Life from Dirty Dancing. We used to do the dance in the living room. And they at times lived in like these tiny apartments and there was, you know, a lot of the family lived there. And it was the most beautiful experience because there were so salt of the earth genuine beautiful people that maybe outwardly it didn't seem like they had all the bells and whistles but they had so much fucking love that none of that mattered Mm -hmm. and it was a gift to be around that and at his funeral i didn't know this so the funeral ends and they're like okay everyone you can leave his mom gets up and walks over to me and she says, we're dancing out of this fucking place. And they played that song. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so we do. And that was just crazy. And there was years where I could never hear the song and, and not be moved to tears. We're sitting there and the song comes on and we both look at each other and we're like,
2: "Wow,
1: yeah, this is happening. So we ended up getting to spend time together for like a whole day. I stayed the night and his sister was there and his mom was there and... You know when i left we all felt like grateful for the experience because we felt like he was there Mm -hmm. that's what we all shared with each other and it was beautiful um so i don't take those detours for granted Mm -hmm. i don't take the timeline for granted i don't take any time i'm flexible there's always because some kind of beautiful experience is coming from that yeah so i just stay open to that Mm -hmm. isn't that insane (laughs) i'm like holy moly here we are but my my lessons with the divine have been you know my father was a pastor but he never put it on us like you would never meet him and he would never start talking about god mm-hmm. it's just not his thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he like that's his job and he doesn't he believes in it but he's never trying to convert you over which i always appreciated mm-hmm. because i just i never want to be forcefully convinced to do anything um so i've been allowed i think through life to be able to come to terms with what that meant for me sure and like, and how I wanted to utilize it. And it's just been a gift, you know, staying open to that my grandmother that passed away November, 2019. We weren't super close in life. We weren't not cool. There was just like an energetic wall there, not personal to me. Cause I got to spend time with other family members and talk through a lot of that. It's just like, people are the way they are based on their experiences. Right. Sure. And whatever version you get of them at the time, has a lot of factors to be sure. to be factored in. After she passed, the day before we shut down, we have a session with Cindy in the salon mm. about energy clearing, the revealing soul. And she's like, can I read the, the energy of the room? I'm like, yeah, okay. And she's like, can I do it live with you there? I'm like, sure. And she's like, your grandmother's here. And she had just passed away three, four months before. And I was like, okay, does she have anything to say? Like, how does this work? And she's like, she wants you to know she's sorry that you found out the way that you did and that you found out through written word, because someone just texted me that she passed away. I was like, oh, wow. She had all these beautiful things to say. Now, in the afterlife, I found more instances and experiences of my grandmother than I ever did when she was alive. Like, she, my whole family called her ladybug. Yeah. They all got tattoos of ladybugs, this and that. I have seen more freaking ladybugs in my life <laughs> than ever before. When I was at Nick's, seven, eight ladybugs a day were showing up, and I was like, guys, is this normal? It's,
0: it's not not because it's, Fresh in your head?
1: No, I don't think so. (laughs) I asked him. I said, have you been seeing these before? And they're like, nope. Mm. I was like, incredible. I was driving down to Miami a couple months ago to see some friends. And there was a lady bugging my car the whole way and I didn't know it. And then I get to a stoplight right there. And boom, there she goes in my face. I was like, well, hey, dude. Uh. What do you want to tell me? So for me, it's like, if I can stay open to any signs that I'm receiving, whether I really know how to decode them or not. Yeah. I feel like I get a lot of valuable information.
0: Is there such a thing as too much of that? It's like, why not? Like, can, hey, can you, Cindy, can you move in with me? And, and can, can you just tell me my life?
1: <laughs> right. Is such a thing as what, too many signs?
0: Yeah, is, is there, I mean, once you get these affirmations, it's like, I can't have enough. Like,
1: Oh yeah, tell me. well, Tony, uh, Tony Robbins, I think, calls it the reticular activating system, RAS, sure. which I'm sure there's a lot of truth to that, Negative or positive, right? If you're looking for the negative and everything, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for the positive and everything, you'll find it.
0: Well, and not not just that, but like going back to Cindy more often. Like, mm-hmm. is there any part of you that's like, I need to know more. I want to know more.
1: For her, it almost kind of works where you like, or
0: it has to come to her.
1: She, it comes to her, and she channels that out. Yeah. But from what I've le- understand about learning from her, is like I'll go and I'll get this information. Some of it's stuff that's has happened, will happen. You don't know. And so you kind of want to like let life play out for a while and see what you observe from what I understand. And Mm -hmm. hopefully I'm articulating that correctly. But that was my experience is I don't want to keep going and getting different validation. I get what I get and then kind of see what opens up in the world.
0: Like to a certain extent, you kind of like still live your life. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you can't be looking for it, but it's funny when it happens because you're like, oh my God, here we are.
0: You're not looking for it, but you're open to
1: Mm -hmm. it mm-hmm yeah. there's a lot of people that aren't open to any of that they think that signs are bularky and made up they think that anything kind of metaphysical isn't real because it's not as tangible as like math right you ask me anything about no. math and i'm like
0: but it, it helps you make some sense of your circumstance maybe
1: mm-hmm. and i think there's a whole you know i've met a lot of people who at first will be like oh you're a preacher's daughter or, you you know you believe in this you believe in that i'm like sort of you know, I was always able to kind of use religion the way that I wanted. And I feel like I more connect to like a spiritual realm of believing that there's something. Yeah. I don't feel like I have to define it in a certain way. And I don't care how you define it. Does not bother me at all. Okay. I, I love for people to believe in something. Sure. But it doesn't have to be what I believe in. No. At all. And using that as kind of like a roadmap for myself has been helpful because, okay. again, I can learn something from everything. I can, I can go to a Catholic church with you and learn a lot Mm -hmm. and go to another kind of experience and learn a lot. I can go to plant medicine, which, you know, in religious terms, like they would necessarily see that as a positive thing, but I've learned a lot from plant medicine. I've learned a lot in the past two years from psilocybin, Mm -hmm. magic mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Um, Microdosing has been Mm -hmm. like game changer. Really? Game changer. And I think I was telling a friend, and she's like, "Well, you're giving it a lot of, um, I don't know, what's the word, credit." And I, and then I had to sit down and think about that. I'm like, "Well, is it the mushrooms or is it me?" And then I'm like, "It's all the work that I've been doing, and then adding in this new tool that just kind of like threw me over a plateau."
0: Does it, does it remove filters?
1: No, for me, it's not that. For me, it gives me. This is a perfect way that I that I can explain it. For me, it gives me a buffer of time between stimulus and response. So say you and me- To sit with it. Yeah, say you and me are in a conversation and we don't see things eye to eye, and maybe something like that is very important to you, and for me, it's neither here nor there. It won't allow me to get activated emotionally where I'm reactive. I can just sit with it and say, well, what is this? Yeah, What does it mean? What Should I get upset about this? Yeah. Or is this just- us learning through life and that's been beautiful to not be reactive and to be able to be present like fully fully present to see things with such clarity and like things do look like they're in technicolor and mm-hmm. I've never been like a tripper I've never tripped on mushrooms or anything like I just never did um but when you take them in small amounts what it can do for your nervous system that I've learned is like I think it's criminal that everybody doesn't have access to it
0: yeah, they're doing research in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: They're doing a lot of research. And as, as soon and ho- as I hopefully think... Hopefully it
0: creates a standard. And yeah. And more research can be done across the United States.
1: Do you know there's actually a facility here in Chicago? They have a bunch called Field Trip Health. No. That I learned about where they do MDMA, MDMA ketamine, psilocybin guided experiences for people with um, anxiety or depression or anything mm-hmm. like that, PTSD. I don't know how they get around it legally yeah. to do it. Okay. But it's like a medical clinic. Um, beautiful facility from what it looks like, and that's like. what
0: it takes, right? A mm-hmm. proper setting with a guide mm-hmm. that knows what they're doing to mm-hmm. watch you while you're doing. Because there can be bad trips, right? And yeah, and that's how it should be studied. Otherwise, mm-hmm. prior to that, who's gonna admit it? You know, admit to like doing illicit substances like uh-huh. at home, and and how much truth is there? Because it's like how much did you take? What did mm-hmm. you take? Did you get it? What's your source? So it's like mm-hmm. now there's like proper channels and standards, hopefully.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited and encouraged Data. about that. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it can help a lot of people.
0: Yeah, people. I mean, medicine, like traditional pharmaceuticals don't work for everyone.
1: They're not always the answer. I've gone through a lot with, with Ziggy and trying to figure out how to, like, shrink this tumor and shrink cancer cells. And the traditional medicine, like, he's just not a candidate for it. He just can't physically handle it. Yeah. So we've had to, like, try a lot of different avenues. And it can be overwhelming, for sure. sure. Especially... Sure. People in modern culture that I've found, we're just, we have been trained for so many years to trust doctors, trust the doctors, trust the doctors. Doctors are just people. And I like to think of it this way same as lawyers. They're practicing medicine, they're practicing law, Mm. they're practicing veterinary medicine. They're not gods. They're just human beings mm-hmm. based on the knowledge that they have, which is a lot of times limiting. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you talk about nutrition and, and the ways that that can, can heal the body and environmental stimuli, emotional regulation. That's just not in their wheelhouse. It's not a dig. Yeah, They're great people. They're trying really hard to do the right thing. But their toolkit, I think, needs to be revised across the board. Yeah, In all of those areas that I talked about, law, veterinarian, and, and human medicine. Absolutely. There's just so much more to learn, but we've placed all of this, right? This is what doesn't make sense to me. So much into that, but we won't trust a plant that grows from the fucking ground that God planted. Yeah. We won't trust it because it's been demonized and we've been told, dare to keep kids off drugs. Let's keep them off the drugs. We want them to, but it's okay to take that Ritalin ADHD. Yeah. Don't even get me started. The uh, previous Victor. guest, <laughs>
0: previous guest. He's a, uh, an acupuncturist, one of the few acupuncturists at the VA. Awesome. And, uh, there was a patient who has been hiccuping since, like, November. No. Chronic hiccups. Annoying! Uh, and after three sessions with the acupuncturist, his name's as Ryan, um, the hiccups went away. Really? And the traditional doctor just attributes it to coincidence because it didn't happen after the first session. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's important to be open-minded and mm-hmm. to... there's There's a... There's a space for everyone, I guess.
1: Yeah, there's a place for everything. Everything in its place, right? Yeah. So
0: before we leave, I, remind me to to tell you about Marcia, who owns, for dog's sake. Okay. Um, before we leave, but so uh to end, I guess can you? I guess I want to talk about na- like narratives and how people like view their world. So like, what's what's something that we can share as closing remarks to? and I have a feeling it's just to to be open-minded, but like we all need a, a narrative because a, it gives us a sense of purpose, I think, mm-hmm. right? To, to live our lives. Um, but in your words, how important is it and how can one go about cultivating their own narrative?
1: Well, I think that's a great question. I think that you would need to start with questioning your own narratives, mm. right? We all have... Two versions speaking at one time, our ego mind and our conscious mind, right? And they're battling. And a lot of times we don't know which one is talking to us. But there's two versions of the world. Yeah. And really constantly saying like, is, is thinking this way helping or hurting me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is listening to that voice helping or hurting me? Because a lot of times it can just be like your fear talking or anxiety. I like to think of it as this. This is kind of the, the ethos that I have going for myself right now. The world is beautiful and I have time, right? Whereas before, city Gen was like, everything has to happen now. We've got to do it. To-. No, this, a city life can make you insane. You're on top of each other. You're crunched. You're going fast. And there's so many options. Everything, you know, you, you never know if you're missing out. The FOMO is real. All of it. The comparison game, all of it. Turning that all off and saying, the world is still beautiful and I still have time if I'm alive and I'm breathing, I have time to do everything I've ever wanted. So yeah. not falling into the trap of making hurried decisions or rushing into things that you're not necessarily sure of, just kind of like taking my time. And it's thrown a lot of people off. They're like, well, we need you to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You know, setting new boundaries of like, this is when I work and this is how I work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to retrain the people around you. So that's different. But going back to narratives, that's the one that I've been using.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I like that.
1: Yeah. And not feeling forced or rushed and not feeling like I have to do anything the way that anyone else is doing it. I have to do what makes sense for me. So one trap, and I'm, I might leave you with this. Maybe it's helpful. One trap that I could easily fall into is watching peers you know, this is the moment where they're making big moves and, you know, elevating and doing different things. And like, oh man, am I missing the boat? No, your boat already sailed past that. You've already been through those experiences because you're at a different place. Hmm. So it's like we get caught in comparison, sure. but you don't know where their starting line was. People don't know where mine was. So it's like, do I want to be doing my next big build off? No, I've already done it like seven times. I'm good. I already got that. There's something different for me. And not falling trap into like my success needs to look like anyone else's success. Has to look exactly like mine. Exactly what it means for me. Yeah. Do you have one? Do I have? Uh, a narrative or an ethos that you're living by now?
0: Man, I mean, I I, I told you how like just s- s- anytime someone dies very suddenly, especially around you... Uh, that you somewhat kind of were close to or should have been closer to, um, just is a wake up call or a reality check, uh, to check in with mm-hmm. other people and and how fragile life can be and mm-hmm. and that kind of contrasts to well, it, it compares and so it's like you slow down but like life can be taken away from you yep. at any moment, right? So you wanna do all these things and accomplish all these things but it's important to, I guess, go at your own pace. Mm-hmm. There's so much to do, so little, it feels like so little time at times. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: There's so much to be said for pacing yourself, right? Yeah. I remember when we talked about this, when I was in Florida, I was still on city pace and the Florida people are on island time. And they're like, what's wrong with this lady? Like, right. chill yeah. out girl. And it was a beautiful reset of balancing myself of like, why am I moving so fast? It's just because of what I was used to. And I notice even when I come back, that I'm like, and I can really get going fast. And there's a time and a place for it. So
0: these days, how many times, how often are you saying no to people?
1: Mm, a lot. Okay. A lot. And, you know.
0: And it's not maybe no forever. It could be no for now, right? Yep. No yeah. for
1: right now. I just refuse to take on as much as I used to. I used to take on so much. So even in my coaching work, you know, I have opportunities to take on multiple projects. Now I'd like to just take on one to two big projects. Mm -hmm. So only dealing with a certain group of people versus dealing with all these people all the time.
0: But when you first start out, were you qualified to get the bigger projects anyway?
1: Mm, Even if I wasn't, I got them. Oh, okay. (laughs) Purely from you know tenacity and yeah and being able to sell myself isn't the right word but confidently you know portray what i what value i felt that i could bring yeah. i've always been able to I, do I, that
0: i feel like the trajectory for most creative entrepreneurs is to th- do more like as far as quantity and uh-huh. that, that your quality is you know uh mm-hmm. less but um, as you gain more experience under your belt, you can raise your prices and then you don't have to do as much or as many anymore.
1: Yeah. And it's like the, the energy exchange that I get from speaking to a room of 400 people is amazing. It's just, yeah, it's an hour or two of my time, but something that I prepare for weeks for, Sure, you know, I really do prepare for that for weeks. So that's one avenue, but like taking on full-time work, I'll do calls, one-off calls. You'll call me and say, hey, I'm just having a problem with this. What kind of licensing do I need? Or do you know anything? How can I hire better? How can I delegate work better? Those are super fun and I can do it from everywhere. So that's amazing for van life. But then like taking on bigger projects. Now I've said no to projects that like either aligned with my former self or just don't feel as connected to me. And I only want to do things that I'm like hyper passionate about that I really, really love because I think it's important what we work on and who we work with. Yeah. You know, that shapes our future. So I definitely want to be doing things that I really care about. Mm-hmm. I've been working with high vibe now. Juice is my gem. <laughs> so it's like, yes, that's a yes for me. That makes the most sense. Do you know my Instagram handle used to be Jen and juice?
0: I, maybe you mentioned that. I, Back in the day. That's hilarious. I missed that handle. That's hilarious. Um,
1: but yeah, that makes the most sense. Um, moving forward. So I've had to say no to a lot of stuff that I would be interested in, but it's just like, man, does it fan my flame? Does Mm. it really get me going? And that's what I've kind of asked myself.
0: Yeah. I mean, I told you, like going back to just being a generalist as a photographer, I don't know if every wedding would fan my flame.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine (laughs) like,
0: I'm sure there are some brutal couples out there. Oh my
1: God. Do you know what's (laughs) so funny? One huge thing, that was, I think, a beautiful shift in the early days of COVID is like the wedding. Remember, the wedding industry totally changed. Then everyone was doing like those 20-person outdoor Micro weddings. Micro weddings, yeah. Listen, when that happened, I'm like, we won. The wow. human race has won. Because I felt so internally conflicted for years talking to people. I talked to them intimately for, what, 10 or 15 minutes a day when I was sure. doing that times you know 30 a day. And hearing the same themes and hearing the same stories and realizing how much money we're putting into a single day, but I did not hear in any of those conversations the intention you're putting into the foundation of your marriage. You're you're focused on the day, but the day comes and goes. What's your intention in the marriage?
0: It makes me want to elope. I'm telling you,
1: <laughs> I when when the micro weddings happened, I thought it was the most beautiful because it was the most bare, stripped down version. Yeah of what what I think that that really is it's a commitment between yeah. two people and their families and friends before god right that's what it was that's what historically has been and you know that goes into celebrity culture and all the things that I talked about before but it has just become such a spectacle mm-hmm. and what is the why of why you're doing this that's why I say if I ever get married again it probably won't be legally <laughs> cuz I'm not trying to get the government involved in my <laughs> love life thank you but no but it'll be on a mountaintop somewhere with me and my person and maybe five people. That's it. I have no desire. Put it
0: out there guys. (laughs) She's she's waiting.
1: (laughs) You know, it really would. It really would. Gotcha. Yeah. That's how I feel about that. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. And it goes, find the why. Yeah. Maybe that's like a thread of this whole conversation is like, what's your why in everything that you're doing question yourself seriously object to your own shit is that your fear talking or is that really your heart Mm. and it when your heart's talking are you shutting it up and putting it in the corner Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know because she never stops speaking he never stops speaking whatever it never stops talking to us
0: yeah i mean from an evolutionary standpoint we we're led by fear Mm -hmm. right we're we're avoidant Mm -hmm. of fear so whatever scares us we run the opposite direction
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of and that exhausts us right instead of facing things head on and trusting and knowing that you can overcome anything mm-hmm. and there's plenty of examples out there in the world of people that we know that are inspiring to others that have proven that mm-hmm.
2: you mm-hmm. know
1: so that's kind of the the take that i that i the stance that i want to take is like i just want to be an example for people yeah. of someone who never fucking gave up who never gave up but now i'm someone who doesn't like force things to go a certain way sure so i don't resist the flow of what's happening You're I do not necessarily giving it. up though no no no, it's just like learning to work with energy differently. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jen. Thank this you. This was a pleasure. Yes, always. <laughs> I always love talking to you.
0: Um, we'll get a tour of Rosie soon. Yes. Um, but thank you guys. It was like almost two hours.
1: Was it? Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> um,
0: so thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode.
1: See you later.